Hello and welcome to episode 37 of EV Brief Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan McFeet, and on today's show, BYD announces more information on their compact EV. CATL has locked in a massive battery deal with Tesla. We look at the brouhaha that has erupted around EV rideshare startup Revel's launch plans in New York City. And New South Wales is the second state or territory in Australia to introduce progressive EV policies. We go into what these mean for EV drivers. These stories and more, so let's get into the show. So BYD's EA1 electric hatchback unveiled at Auto Shanghai back in April has been officially named Dolphin. Adopting a new design philosophy of ocean aesthetics, the Dolphin is reminiscent of VW's ID3 and features a tall body with short front and rear overhangs. We're not sure how the ocean theme has been realised. Are those gills at the front? However, it's a pleasing if conventional small EV design. BYD announced the new name alongside images via its Weibo account in China. Designed by Wolfgang Egger, formerly of Alfa Romeo and the Volkswagen Group, the Dolphin introduces a new elongated BYD logo. Specifications for the car were discovered in a regulatory filing with China's Ministry of Industry and Information Technology. The Dolphin offers a wheelbase of 2700mm, 100mm longer than a Hyundai Kona Electric for reference. Underpinned by BYD's ePlatform 3.0, this next-generation EV architecture features an 800-volt battery system to increase efficiency and allow for very fast charging. Heat pump technology will be standard, as will BYD's signature lithium-ion phosphate blade batteries. The Dolphin will also debut BYD's self-developed automotive OS dubbed BYD OS, which the company claims will bring enhanced autonomous driving systems. Alongside the BYD E2, Australia's Nexport plans to bring the Dolphin to Australia in 2022, starting from well under $35,000 AUD, quote-unquote, according to CEO Luke Todd. At this stage, it is not known whether the Dolphin nameplate will make it to the markets outside China. Electric mobility company Revel, which recently announced plans to launch an all-electric rideshare service in New York City using Tesla Model Ys, has hit a bump in the road. Unfortunately, the NYC Taxi and Limousine Commission blocked the deployment of vehicles, according to Clean Technica, in a 5-to-1 city vote. There's been a lot of false information around this story, so let's get into it. In 2018, the TLC banned all new licenses for for-hire cars in New York, citing an oversaturation of the market, with over 100,000 rideshare vehicles on the streets. The city made an exemption for electrifying an existing ICE car license that is not creating a new license just for an EV. A lot of reporting has incorrectly stated that Revel was told it could simply purchase 50 ICE vehicles, then convert them to EVs. To be clear, the TLC has a total ban on new licenses. This may take a bit more time for the company, but it can slowly acquire licenses and build up its fleet, while onboarding drivers and refining its tech. Revel has been criticised for only operating in the profitable lower Manhattan, below 42nd Street, and not servicing outer boroughs. Supporters of Revel have stated that the company's business model, owning the fleet and directly employing drivers and providing benefits, is a lot more sustainable and equitable than what the majority of Uber and Lyft drivers can access. Revel has also committed to building a network of EV fast charging super hubs across New York City. The network will be open to the public and not limited to Revel's rideshare drivers. The first charging site has just opened in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, but pricing is yet to be announced. The Driven reports that China's largest battery maker, CATL, has extended its battery cell supply deal with Tesla until 2025. 
The agreement signifies further acknowledgement by Tesla of the product quality and production capability of our company and will help strengthen the long-term cooperation relationships between the company and Tesla, CATL said in a statement. CATL has seen a surge in revenue and profit in the last year as demand has increased as many OEMs roll out EVs. Their client list includes Volkswagen, Volvo, Ford and BMW, amongst many others. The Tesla deal continues the supply of cobalt-free lithium-ion phosphate, or LFP, cells, which are less energy-dense than lithium-nickel-cobalt-aluminium, or NMC, cells, but which have a long cycle life and excellent thermal stability. Atlanta's buses are going electric, with the city receiving 5.4 million US in federal grant funding, according to press releases from US Senators John Ossoff and Reverend Raphael Warnock. The buses will be purchased by the Atlanta Region Transit Link Authority, which currently operates 166 ICE coaches. The funding should provide 10 battery electric commuter coaches and 11 charge points. The authority runs buses from surrounding counties into downtown Atlanta. It's expected that MCI, or Motor Coach Industries, will receive the contract as it builds the only federally tested and approved electric commuter coach. This grant is part of a $182 million US dollar grants program from the Biden administration. 49 projects in 46 states and territories have been selected to receive funding to improve service and air quality, according to Sustainable Bus. Decarbonizing transport is increasingly an issue of social equity. In the US, it's more often than not lower-income Americans who use bus services and are exposed to heavy diesel pollution. Other bus operators to benefit from the grants include the Chicago Transit Authority, which will receive $7 million to replace aging diesel buses on Chicago's south side, and Salt River Pima Maricopa Transit in Arizona, which will upgrade its diesel buses used to service Native American communities. Chinese automaker Xpeng has raised over $1.8 billion US dollars from an initial public offering in New York last week, and it's the third Chinese EV company to list in the last two years. Xpeng had priced its shares at Hong Kong $165 each, helping the Guangzhou-based startup raise Hong Kong $14 billion or US $1.8 billion, making it the biggest dual primary listing by a US-listed Chinese company. Xpeng's chief executive, He Xiaopeng, said the company will focus on cars priced between 150,000 yuan $21,800 US dollars, to about 300,000 yuan, which is a big mass market segment in China. Xpeng plans to use the funds raised for R&D and to expand their sales capacity. Tesla's story started off in a similar fashion, pour every spare dollar into CapEx and R&D for profit payoffs down the line. The automaker is small compared to giants like BYD and Tesla, but it has now amassed 20,000 sales made up of its G3 SUV and P7 sedan. Xpeng has commenced selling its G3 in Europe, albeit in very small numbers, but it plans to bring the P7 to Europe later in 2022. Now on to EV road user pricing and incentives in Australia, and the slow cascade of reform and incentives to adapt to a future of e-mobility has hit New South Wales finally, as the government announces a $490 million package to boost battery electric vehicle uptake in the state. Electric vehicle reform is often a battle of ideologies and ministerial power. State treasurers see potential sources of revenue, whilst environment and transport ministers see community, environmental and social benefits. With Victoria's rush to implement a user charge on electric vehicle owners receiving wide condemnation, New South Wales has taken a considered approach to state reform in this area. 
While not as generous as incentives implemented by the Government of the Australian Capital Territory, New South Wales is heading in the right direction and this announcement has received wide acclaim from industry groups like the Federal Chamber of Automotive Industries and the Electric Vehicle Council, as well as manufacturers such as Nissan Australia and Hyundai Motor Company. The $490 million package aims to cut the upfront cost of electric vehicles for early adopters from September 1st this year, with a $3,000 rebate available for just the first 25,000 purchases below $68,750. The following vehicles currently on the market in Australia would be eligible for this rebate if they're still on sale then. The BMW i3, Hyundai's Ioniq range, Hyundai's Kona electric range, the Kia Niro range, Mazda's MX-30 E35, the Mini Electric, MG's ZS EV, Nissan's Leaf, and the Tesla Model 3 Standard Range Plus. Now, stamp duty on battery electric vehicles and hydrogen vehicles will be waived from September 1st, provided the vehicle retails for less than $78,000. Stamp duty in the state is calculated at a rate of 3% on the vehicle's value up to $45,000 and an additional 5% on every dollar above $45,000. Now, these incentives will be offset by a 2.5 cents per kilometre charge set to be introduced in 2027 or when EV sales in the state make up 30% of total sales, whichever comes first. As an example, if you are looking to buy a Kia Niro EV that has a retail price of around $66,000 inclusive of options, the stamp duty of the state would be $2,400 at the moment. Instead, the government is reducing the price to $63,000 for this car for the first 25,000 takers. If you purchase a $66,000 Nero once the cents per kilometre charge comes in in 2027, assuming stamp duty rates would remain the same, you would be saving $2,400 in duty payable to the state. Now, unfortunately, this unfairly targets consumers in regional areas or those who are pushed to the urban fringe of Sydney, those who are forced to drive long distances due to limited transport options. A 2.5 cents per kilometre charge wouldn't concern an inner city driver who might cover 10 to 20 kilometres a day and certainly wouldn't push that driver into public transport options. It would disadvantage many of the state's residents who have no option but to drive hundreds of kilometres a week. A commuter who travels 30,000 kilometres a year would eradicate any stamp duty savings on that 66 grand car in just three and a quarter years, paying $750 in EV tax annually. So that's 30,000 kilometres a year, $750 a year in tax. The New South Wales government also announced that its own vehicle fleet would be fully electrified by 2030 and is putting $33 million towards that goal. New South Wales Transport Minister Andrew Constance is hopeful that an increase in electrification of vehicles in the state will reduce emissions, saying, quote, Our transport sector currently makes up 20% of the state's emissions, with almost 50% of those coming from passenger vehicles, Constance said. He goes on to say that electric vehicles are not only cheaper to run and quieter on our roads, but they also reduce both carbon emissions and air pollution, which results in dramatically improved health outcomes for our communities. In the package, there's also $171 million to establish a network of ultra-rapid vehicle charges across the state's major highways that aims to replicate Queensland's electric superhighway. $20 million in grants to assist key tourist sites rolling out destination charging facilities and $20 million for charging infrastructure at public transport hubs and depots. The government has an ambitious target to ensure Sydney residents are no more than 5 kilometres from a rapid charging site and that regional residents are within 100 kilometres of rapid charging facilities. Buried deep in the press release were these maps and it looks like the government intends to provide pretty broad coverage across all areas of New South Wales. You can check those out on our website. 
According to The Driven, New South Wales Energy Minister Matt Keane said the new policies should put the state on track to see an electrification rate of 50% of new car sales. The above initiatives are certainly welcome, and with around 400,000 new car sales a year, New South Wales holds the crown for the largest passenger car market in the country. Any uptake in electrification will certainly assist in emissions reduction. There are a number of policy changes that we would have liked to see alongside the EV incentives, though. We would have liked to see interest-free loans for the purchase of EVs and household batteries and solar, as per the Australian Capital Territory. We would have liked to see a charge on internal combustion engine vehicles, either at the point of sale or on a cents per kilometre basis factoring in weight and emissions. And we'd also like to see low emission zones established in congested areas, such as Sydney's CBD, Central Business District, the Parramatta CBD, and in the soon-to-be-built third Sydney Basin city of Bradfield. Concessions should also be available in this scenario for those outside dense metro areas. We believe that along with the carrot approach, a little bit of stick is needed to accelerate the change to EVs. As New Zealand recently demonstrated, EV subsidies should work hand-in-hand with appropriate levies on polluting internal combustion vehicles. A Ford Ranger or Toyota Hilux will incur an additional New Zealand $2,900 fee under the country's new scheme. Now back to the concept of emissions in New South Wales, and the state's premier Gladys Berejiklian has stated that the new city of Bradfield, as I mentioned before, currently in the early stages of master planning, will be Australia's first 22nd century city. Now if this is truly the case, the government should recognise any city from the future must be emissions free. When a government has the rare opportunity to plan a dense metropolitan area from scratch, it must think big and it must think zero emissions, and that's why I think a low emissions zone is critical in new areas like this. All in all, this EV policy is a welcome announcement from the New South Wales government, and with rebates and stamp duty waivers set to commence from September 2021, we may see a sharp increase in EV sales in the latter part of this year. And finally for today's show, Nissan has unveiled plans for its Nissan EV36 Zero hub, a £1 billion hub centred around its Sunderland plant in the UK. Now partnering with Envision and Sunderland City Council, Nissan plans to bring together electric vehicles, renewable energy and battery production into the one site, as it strives for supply chain and manufacturing efficiencies, cost savings and carbon neutrality. UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson lauded the decision, saying, quote, Nissan's announcement to build its new generation all-electric vehicle in Sunderland, alongside a new gigafactory from Envision, is a major vote of confidence in the UK and our highly skilled workers in the northeast. This is a pivotal moment in our electric vehicle revolution and securing its future for decades to come. Now, Nissan has over 35 years of manufacturing history in Sunderland, and the company claims this project represents 6,200 jobs at Nissan and its UK suppliers, including more than 900 new Nissan jobs and 750 new Envision jobs. Nissan will invest up to £423 million to produce a new generation all-electric vehicle in the UK at this plant, which will be a global vehicle. The final piece of the puzzle is a 100% renewable energy microgrid that will save 55,000 tonnes of carbon annually. There's also a 1 megawatt hour battery storage system planned using Second Life Nissan batteries which should help to balance the load on the grid. Well that's it for this episode of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show and if you did, please subscribe and leave a review on your favourite podcasting platform and head over to evbrief.com to stay up to date with the latest EV news. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I'm Jonathan McFeet and you've been listening to EV Brief.